What's good, y'all? The indefinable Sterling Golden is in the building. This is the Chop Session, and we thank you once again for locking in for our interview series here on BostonFreeRadio.com. And thank you, as always, for your support of our series. In case you miss an episode or you tune in late, say no more, fam. We got you. Encore uploads of each Chop Session happen every Monday morning at 6 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time. Check your favorite podcast app for listings. Our guest this week, my man from the Boston House Music Community, Mr. DJ Mizant. Mr. Mizant, welcome to the Chop Session, sir. How are you? I am doing great, Sterling. I'm very happy to be here. It's an honor. Um, I'm very happy. Thank you for having me, sir. Hey, we're happy to have you, sir. <laughs> you know, I've gone around the room several times in the past with the Boston House Music Coalition mm-hmm. with guests I've had on past shows of mine, like Sterling Tology Live or, let's see, Sterling Tology Radio, Legacy Radio, things like that. I've had DJ Bruno on. I've had Leo Aracon on. Bob Diesel was just on our show last month, mm-hmm. you know, and of course, now we turn it over to you, Mr. Mizan. You were on Sterling Tology Live about a year ago. Yes, but I had called in. I was not in studio, but that's okay. Um, I did call into the show a couple of times, so. Well, you're here now. I am, and this is great. Like, it's more than what I expected, so I'm very proud and happy to be here. Well, before we get into, you know, who DJ Mizon is and your history out here and all of that, Mm -hmm. let's start off right in the present day. I understand making some noise with this brand new single you have out there at Midnight Society. Yes. Okay. So talk us up about this new single. Okay. So the new single is called Marimba Dub um, by Midnight Society. Um, For those who don't know who Midnight is, um, he's been a fixture in our scene for quite some time. Well over 20 years. Um, He used to be known as DJ Delmar back in the early 90s. And um, yeah, he um, would actually had a night over at the Paradise on Mass Ave um, that I used to frequent sometimes and see him do his thing. Um, But we weren't as personable as we are now. Um, So, you know, through the years, I heard he was producing music and Stuff like that. So him and Bruno got together. DJ Bruno. DJ Bruno, for those who know. Um, They got together and they discussed business. Um, By that time, our label wasn't up up and running. You know, that was sort of afterwards. You know what I mean? So um, Midnight Society and DJ Bruno have been doing music together for a very long time before Central Underground Recordings came about. So... um, yeah. Yeah. So, so, and we were talking off air earlier on, actually, you and I, mm-hmm. and you were telling me some cool stuff that I think the listeners out there need to hear about you, which right. is the fact that, you know, like a lot of us out here, you began simply as a fan of this stuff, house music that never really intended on being in the business right away. But here you are living a lot of dreams that you didn't think you'd ever have a chance to live. Right. You know, and in particular, your stock and trade is house music, which, of course, is a genre that was born out of the Chicago nightclubs of the early to Mm mid-1980s. We'll talk more about that later. But for now, let's get into how you got into the business, Okay, how you uh, found your way into becoming a DJ. Let's begin at the very start of this whole thing. How did you even find house music in your life, or did it find you? I mean, just talk us up. Okay, so um, I love this story, though. But uh, December 31st, 1994... um, 
I had a, I guess I had a chance, but I was actually forced by my mom, who's no longer with us, God rest your soul, mom. Um, I was sort of a isolated kid. I didn't like doing too many things. I just liked being in my own space. So my mom was very concerned because, you know, I was out there doing something she didn't like either. But um, she was very concerned. So I had an aunt. I have an aunt. She's no longer with us, too. Um, my uncle is around his, you know, the married couple there. But they have a house um, right in the downtown Boston area, actually behind Mass General. Okay? Right. So I have a couple of cousins, you know, the kids and... My male cousin, Daniel Wright, um, went to Charlestown High. Now, I say Charlestown High because that high school in particular was very important to the loft. Okay? A lot of the kids who went to that high school on Friday nights, they would all meet up at the loft and go and party. So, my cousin went to Charlestown High. And on New Year's Eve, my mom and I, we went over to my aunt's house and... We get there, we're having a good time. So my cousin asked me if I wanted to go to the loft. And um, I wasn't big into clubbing. You know, I was just into hip hop, neighborhoods, maybe a house party or two. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't big into the clubs. But my mom actually looked me in the eye and was like, you need to go out and have a good time. So I was like, screw it, I'll do it. So we walked to the loft, which is behind Back Bay Station. Wasn't too far of a walk, and I, 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 I changed overnight. Like every everything happened from that day forward. I got to the loft. Yeah. Waited in line for twenty minutes or so. Never done that before. Um, was a little concerned when I got in the building because the dance floor was on the second floor, but from the first floor you could see the dance floor sinking in because <laughs> yeah. of the music and the people. <laughs> So I'm a little nervous, but once I got inside um, into the dance floor, I looked to my left and I saw my mentor, DJ Bruno. Yes. Um, he was on a decks and he was playing I Get Lifted by Barbara Tucker. Mm-hmm. And from that moment, I knew house music was going to change my life. So absolutely. I, I, I've been a fan, you know, and I told Sterling earlier today off uh, off the mic that I just celebrated my 25th year in the scene. So um, I never stopped from that day in 1994 going into 95. I just never stopped because it completely changed my life. And you actually found your way into the loft at the very end of its run. Yeah. You're talking about 1995. Yeah. The loft, for those who don't know, you know, first came around in the Boston area back in the mid 1980s and ran for about a decade, you know, uh, closing up shop in 95. And much like a lot of other prominent, you know, nightclubs out there in the country and around the world, like the Warehouse, Paradise Garage, among others, Mm -hmm. this was a spot for those who loved house music. And it really did not matter what your race or creed or sexuality was or your culture was or things like that. Everybody was welcome at the loft. Absolutely. Okay. That's what I've heard over the years. As a matter of fact, if you do your uh, Googling out there, connect to the Google, you guys, you'll find some great articles online with people who lived it, people who were there in particular, a shout out to redbullmusicacademy.com. Yep. A 2015 article featuring some great names like Armand Van Helden, Bob Diesel, among others, mm-hmm. who were a big part 
of the loft experience. So go out of your way to find that article. Oh, yeah. So from the loft. Yep. Let's go from there. Okay, so you found your way there. You found this new infectious genre of music that, you know, is embedded within your soul, better within your subconscious. Yep. Let's go from there. Okay, so actually, um, maybe eight months later, I was at the loft. And uh, for those who don't know, the loft would close at 6 in the morning. It would open at 10 p.m. and close at 6 in the morning. So I remember it vividly. I was at the loft um, one night, and it was 6 in the morning. And I really didn't know Bruno that well, DJ Bruno. So I was about to leave, and Bruno was like, Lamont, can you stay for a moment? And I was like, "Uh, I guess, yeah. I got to catch my train, but, you know, whatever. So he came up to me. And he said, Lamont, I'm opening up a record store called Biscuit Head Records. Yeah. And I need somebody to work for me. I need, you know, some people, would you like to be involved? You know, painting the store, and then we'll talk, you know, employment afterwards. And I already had a coffee shop job, which was pretty cool. But this right here was like a wonderful feeling, you know, because yes. like I barely knew the man, but he was let me into his life. So... Of course, I took that, helped paint. That's where I met Liza Zayas as well. She was one of the painters. Big love to Liza Zayas, by the way. Dear friend of the show. Oh, yeah. She's just an amazing person. And um, she was one of the painters. We, you know, we chatted up a little bit. Um, And then I started working at Biscuit Head. So from there, at the coffee shop, income tax check came. And it was pretty nice. It was about $1,000. So um, mind you... Um, I was just a fan, you know, I just liked the music and I liked to dance. So I got this check, you know, during my shift and Bruno looked at me and was like, hold on one moment. Master Millions, which is another big DJ in Boston. Yeah. He yells over to Master Millions. Hey, Millions, I think he's ready for that trip. And I'm like, what trip? So Master Millions dragged me out of the store, made me cash my thousand dollar check. Uh huh. And he brought me over to Chelsea, over to Guitar Center. And I'm like, what the hell are we doing here? But when we walked through the door, the general manager of the store had two turntables in his hand, two Technic 1200s. And he was like, oh, you must be Lamont. And I'm like, I am. He was like, these are yours. And I'm like, I didn't order turntables. He was like, yeah, I know. Bruno, Bruno set this all up. So I'm giving you these two techniques, which right now they're... They're worth so much money, you know, because they stopped making. They stopped making the text. So he only charged me six hundred for the both of them. So I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, not let that happen. So I took the deal, and then I I went back to the store, (laughs) confused, and I'm like, Bruno, like, what's this all about? And he's like, You're no longer going to be known as Lamont, which is my government name. You're Mizant from now on. And I'm like what does this mean? And he was like, you're part of my DJ family now. So I'm thinking, wow, okay. I didn't ask to be a DJ. I love that. But he's involving me in this sort of situation. I'm like, so when are we going to start training? When are you going to start training me? He was like, I'm not teaching you how to do this. (laughs) And I'm like, wait a second. I spent $600 on turntables, got a mixer, got sound from my brother. But you're not going to teach me how to play. And he's like, no, because you already have it in you. I can, I feel it. Like, And trust me, I know what I'm doing here. You know, I've been doing this for a while, he said. You got what it takes. Trust me. So yeah. from there, it just 
I had my first gig like two months afterwards, like at the Charleston Playhouse. Mm-hmm. And then here we have it now. Yeah. <laughs> amazing how this works out. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, DJ Bruno basically adopts you into yep. the Boston House Music Coalition. He did, yes. You become Mizant. I did, yeah. And I just it's astounding to me because I already knew the Boston House Music Coalition to be, you know, a very family oriented group looking after their own you know, embracing mm-hmm. not only house music culture, but also each other as a family. Absolutely. And DJ Bruno literally gets you set up yeah. for that very first step into becoming a DJ. Right. And literally christens you DJ Mizant. Yeah, it was it was bugged out because I understood why he said Mizant because at, at that time the is was in like shiz and, right. you know, all the that. Shizzo. You know, so that was big, I guess, at that time. So like, you know, it was, but it kind of fit. You know what I mean? Because, like, when he said it, we kind of looked at each other like, well, that might work. You know what I mean? Like, it's a little different. Nobody's called Mizant. So it just kind of worked. Um, and now somebody is. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man. Just, you know, so I was like, okay. So, I, you know, I many nights practicing and I kind of caught on a little bit. And, you know, like I said, got my gig. And it just, we just, from there, it just, you know, like... Baby steps, though. It, it, this didn't happen overnight. This happened like 22 years ago, you know, 23 years ago. Right. So, you know, I paid a lot of dues, and that's the way I wanted it to be, you know? So um, it's all a dream, though. <laughs> it's just such a dream right now, you know? So it's, I, I still get baffled and amazed, but, you know, like people like you, Sterling, who's been to past nights of mine and stuff like that, you guys, Sterling, and my fans and my people out there, you guys always reassure me that I'm hey. in the right place. You know what I mean? I belong here. So I appreciate you guys for that. And we appreciate you guys out there for locking in. And in about two minutes, we're back here on the Chop Session with more from DJ Mizant and more about this brand new music as well, as well as a sample of that music later on in our broadcast. So keep it locked right here on Boston Free Radio for more from DJ Mizant. You know, he's paid his dues. Now you got to pay your dues and we got to pay some bills, okay? <laughs> We're back in two minutes with more here on the Chop Session. I am the indefinable Sterling Golden and this is bostonfreeradio.com. From the hub of the solar system to the world, bostonfreeradio.com. Diane Wong here announcing a new radio program. Let's talk about race. From our beginnings as a white supremacist society to our current existence as a white supremacist society, race is a topic that affects us all, and yet we have difficulty talking about it. Why is race so difficult? Why can't we talk openly about white supremacy? Why don't we like to talk about white privilege? Why is internalized oppression shrouded in mystery? What about lynching? What about gerrymandering and the current Black Lives Matters debate? We'll talk about all of it. Come and join us Thursdays from 7 to 8 p.m. Let's talk about race. Boston Free Radio. As humans, we ask ourselves all kinds of questions. But what if we were forced to ask ourselves a question every day that affected the outcome of the most basic things, the most important things in our lives? The question is, 
what is your sexual orientation or gender identity? And the answer is the difference between keeping your job or getting fired. The answer is the difference between staying in your home or getting evicted. The answer is the difference between receiving medical treatment or not. Because in 30 states, it's legal to discriminate against people based on their answer to this question. LGBT Americans have the right to say, I do, but they don't have the same basic rights as everyone else. Get the facts at beyondido.org. Brought to you by the Gill Foundation and the Ad Council. From Washington. <clears throat> Laid off and trying to keep our little kids from realizing that mommy and daddy haven't eaten in a while. Roger, from California. I'm grateful we could afford our son's surgery. I'm nervous that now we can't really afford food. Daniel from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Donna from Louisiana. The storm just hit, and we went from donating to the food bank to needing it. Keisha from South Carolina. I've been skipping meals so my two kids can eat, but filling up on water doesn't really work. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America. Hi, and the I'm animals. Heather. And I'm Mike. And, and we're, we're the hosts of Make It Stop. Stop. Bad music. Good times. From butt rock balladeers to the wackest of MCs. From washed up cocaine casualties to schmaltzy 80s cheese. Tune in to Make It Stop as we're joined by musicians, comedians, podcasters, and tastemakers to break down the worst albums ever recorded. We dive in track by track. We dissect, we debate, and we sort out the how and why of some of the most misguided, confounding, and egregious missteps in music history. We cover the gamut from alternative and underground bands like The Shags, Earth Crisis, and Five Iron Frenzy to mainstream acts like Creed, Justin Timberlake, and The Black Eyed Peas. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, so look us up. And before you know it, you'll be begging us to make it stop. Make it stop, a bad music podcast. We are back here on the Chop Session here on BostonFreeRadio.com. I am the indefinable Sterling Golden. We are here with DJ Maisant. And later on this hour, we'll hear more about this brand new music that you have going on with Midnight Society, Marimba Dub. Mm-hmm. And also you'll find out who's on next week and the weeks ahead here on the Chop Session. And what's happening tomorrow at 12 noon, U.S. Eastern Time for the Sterling Perspective podcast and that would be a dope show no doubt so mr mizant we left off at how dj bruno chris and you dj mizant got hooked up with your first pair of turntables mm-hmm. and you found yourself in the crazy world of house music and now as a mix master mm-hmm. okay so we go from there into your story now we're talking late 90s early 2000s and so forth and onward let's talk up about your first show your first time behind the ones and the twos. Your first time spinning live. Wow. Let's hear that story and where it was, what your mindset was, and were you great? Did you suck? What happened? <laughs> okay, so my first show was at the Charlestown Playhouse on Lansdowne Street. I don't think it's there anymore, but um, it was connected to Avalon at the time. So I, that was hmm, 97, I believe. Something like that. 1997 of... May. 
and um it was <laughs> it was decent it wasn't the greatest show i just remember vividly that you know corn the band i was really big into corn back then um i still like my rock music too but i was really big into corn and they had put out <laughs> a dance remix so i bought the record and i was like you know what i played a decent set but I wanted to drop that record last. It didn't match anything I was playing, but it was corn. And I had some corn heads there, you know? So I dropped, I think it was Adidas, the remix, and Bruno looked at me. <laughs> it basically threw me off the table. It's like, don't ever do that again. So, you know, it was all right. You know, <laughs> I had a so, good time, but. So we have learned that Bruno is not a fan of corn. <laughs> He's not a fan of corn. And he used to make fun of me because I would have corn shirts and silver chair shirts and Nirvana and stuff like that. And he would just make fun of me. But he know I loved. I hate to say it, but I probably would have done the same thing back then. Right. <laughs> corn, right. silver chair. What the fuck is going on? Here? Well, you know, it, it was, I, I was that, I, I was that goth kid, you know, like I was that, you know, like I said, you know, I, I didn't like. Okay, let's talk about that. Okay, so you were in, kind of like in the goth community in a way or shape or form. Mm -hmm. Not so much the community, but embracing the subculture. Right. Okay, now, back in the day, mm -hmm. there was a club in Cambridge, Mass., here in the USA, that yep. I was a regular at way, way back in the days. Right. Man Ray. Yeah, Man Ray. Oh, yeah. Did Mizant ever attend Man Ray? I never attended Man Ray. Get the fuck out of my studio. I no, I'm know. just kidding. I should just no. get up and leave. But, <laughs> no, but, no, no. but. I'm playing. But, and it's a historic, it was a historic place, and a lot of my friends did attend the place. Maybe I should have ended up there, but remind, mind you, like, I wasn't a club kid, you know what I mean? Like, I was just like, I would hear stuff, yeah. I would buy it yeah. on tape or a CD, mostly tapes, because I had a crap load of tapes back then. And I would just walk around the neighborhood and listen to my Walkman and listen to Lush or Stereo Lab or... You know, stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yes. Echo Belly. Um, these are all Europop bands. Um, but they're sort of edgy, too. So I was into, like, the lighter goth stuff, I would say. Um, so you weren't so much like a, Ra like a Rasputina kid or Bauhaus or things like that or Voltaire right. or the right. heavier side of the subculture. You were more into stuff that kind of skated upon the surface, if you will. Yes, absolutely. Culture. Because I'll tell you, okay, way back in the day, late 90s, the goth subculture really became a thing right. amongst the kids. Mm -hmm. I remember that it became so big that you had entire books being written about the culture with the gothic expert Mick Mercer doing the uh, intro for it. Actually, I think he did the whole book, if I'm not mistaken, a whole encyclopedia of goth. Right. And let me tell you, the last thing I thought I would talk about today with Mizan is goth. But here we are. <laughs> well, you know, okay. that was my life. I was, I mean, mind you, folks. I mean, maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but I'm going to say it Go anyway. Ahead. I mean, there weren't many urban black goth kids in Dorchester at that time. So that's, this, not, that's not a bad thing. Though, <laughs> you know sir. what I'm saying? So, like, I kind of broke the mode, but I got looked at weird. But that all led me up to house music and um, where I'm at today. So, um, well, yeah. you know something? It's a great thing that, you know, you found. A road all your own yep. to get where you are today because I definitely did not prepare for that part of our conversation. <laughs> well, you know. You know, and I'm kind of <laughs> glad we found that common thread. Right. I was already into house way back in those days, too. Oh, yeah. Junior Vasquez, things like that. Oh, yeah. You know, and goth was 
finding its way into my life as well, thanks to Man Ray and some of the right. the girls I was dating back then, back in my teen years and early twenties and things like that. I was not a good looking goth kid, you guys. Wow. You know what I mean? But uh I tried. Right, hey. We all, all did. <laughs> all photos have been destroyed but one, I think. Nice. But yeah. Yeah, nice. But uh I will say that, hey, you know, you found your way through that. I did. Now what was the reaction of people like Bruno and people like Bob, things like that from those days of, hey, we have a guy in our crew that's, you know, part of the goth thing. Mm-hmm. What do we do with this kid? Did that happen at all or no? Um, not really. Um, it's sort of like, you know, I would wear the shirts and they would say stuff, but um, it kind of, <laughs> but I was a big not just Gato, but I was just, I loved music, you know what I mean? And um, I had ideas um, early, early, early in my house career. And um, I, I guess Bruno, you know, DJ Bruno was listening to the little things I was saying. So, you know, he just taking a liking to it. So he it just didn't, we didn't mention the God thing too much, you know what I mean? I would like leave the store and then play my you know, my Echo Belly and my Stereo Lab and stuff like that. Did, did, um, did you ever go to a store called Satellite Records? Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, Fran, Fran used to be there. He used to work there, DJ Fran, who was also another Loft DJ that had a huge impact on my career. So I mentioned Satellite Records because mm-hmm. everybody I know in the house music or EDM community of Boston found their way through their one place, one time or another. Yep. Through the early to mid two thousands, absolutely. Now, I got a great story of my own about satellite records. Oh, yeah. Okay, I got to hear this one. Okay, I will. Well, one of the artists that I will forever put on my Mount Rushmore of music, okay, is a rapper named M.I.A. Okay. Oh yeah. Now, oh, yeah. now in two thousand three oh four, she was brand spanking new. Yep. Okay. And she had dropped a couple of singles, one of them being Galang, another one being Sun Showers, things like that. Right. Well, Galang, I first heard at an underground after hour spot in Chelsea, Mass, in the States, late 03, early 04. What? And I remember being completely mesmerized by that song. It was unlike anything else the DJ played that morning. Right. So I walked up to him and I asked him, so what was that song you just played? And 10 minutes later, he comes back. He goes, hey, dude, um, if you want the artist's name, it's Mia. Okay, cool. Mia. Got it. (laughs) So Satellite Records was my go-to for all these really, you know, cool hidden gems and songs you would never hear on the radio and that kind of stuff. Right. So about 10, 12 days, or like two or three weeks later, actually, I went to Satellite Records. And I said to them, do you have this single by an artist named Mia? And the gentleman behind the counter goes, Mia, who now? Who's Mia what? Right. There's a lot of Mia artists. I go, well, I'm, I was just told Mia. And <laughs> five, 10 minutes later, he comes back. Do you know how the song goes? I go, oh, shit. I go like, uh, uh, ready to blaze, go langa, 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 da, 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 you know, and the whole store thinks I'm just some crackhead. They came off the street at two in the afternoon just uh, <laughs> to fuck around. Yeah. And they're all looking at me almost amused. 
and I sound like a crackhead doing this one lyric. Right. Know. I sounded like remember the episode Married with Children where Al Bundy is looking for a forty five and he just goes hmm him right you know for the <laughs> yeah. whole episode. Right. That's how I came off. Oh my god! Finally, a customer who had been tired of listening to me comes up. He goes, "Dude, that's M I A, not Mia." Okay, yeah. Oh, shit. I had that problem as well. Well, it turns out that record was not yet commercially released. Oh. This was actually a printing of like 500 records that was out there for DJs and things like that. And the record that happened to find its way to Satellite Records for $10 was the very same one that DJ played. Oh. He sold a bunch of his shit to this place. Get out of here. the same record he played. Wow. Wound up in the used bin for 10 bucks. Holy cow. And I have that record to this day. Get out of here. Okay. But I bring up that story, Mizant, because I tell you right now, we all have those stories mm-hmm. about, you know, being at the coolest record shop in town, looking for those obscure titles. Right. And, well, you'll find what ends up being one of your favorites ever. But that first experience you have is just oh, like. Yeah. You sound like a dumbass going, hey, I'm looking for Mia's new album. Oh, God. <laughs> you know? So have you ever had, as a record, a record connoisseur, mm-hmm. a vinyl connoisseur, right. have you ever had any experiences like that where you're looking for a title where you know the song? We didn't have Shazam yet back then. We couldn't Shazam this shit. Right. Absolutely. So have you ever had an MIA experience like I had? At either Biscuit Head or a satellite or a place like that. What's your story on that? Ever? Well, I haven't had a MIA incident. Not MIA. I'm or saying, Mia. I'm, I'm telling you, in terms of just. Right, I know. I know exactly what you mean. Right. Um, but um, I haven't had an incident so like that, but I have had instances where I would take Greyhound or Peter Pan to the shelter in New York. Here's something that Timmy Register played, and then go back to Biscuit Head. Like Bruno, Timmy played this joint and went da 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 da, and then Bruno would be like, "Oh, that's such and such. It's not out yet. He probably played the promo copy, so you had to wait like two or three months. You know what I mean? That's what happened to me. So it's like I got lucky. Yeah, you did. You got extremely lucky because you probably got the promo issue of MIA. It was the promo, Mm -hmm. okay, and. If you look, like, say, discogs.com or whatever, oh, yeah. you'll find that original printing that I have. Wow. One of 500 made by MIA for DJs to play. I'm sure UK radio. I'm sure things like that. Oh, yeah. You know, but... Uh, it's probably worth a pretty penny as well. It is. You know, but especially since now she's uh, earned an MBE from the Queen of England. And oh, yeah. she's become this iconic name in the hands of hip-hop. Yep. But, you know, but back then... To get the copy that the DJ played, and he and you just happened to walk wow. into the store yep. that he sold it to, that's insane. Yeah, I mean nowadays, I mean everything's digital, so you know I can call up Doug Gomez or Conway Casey or someone like that. Which actually, I don't like promos from people. I like paying for my music because it supports the artist, and of I don't feel sleazy afterwards. You know, so. Um, but you can call Doug or Calvin Sylvester, who's a big producer here. Um, you know, Calvin sends me stuff all the time. But I always say, Calvin, I appreciate you sending me the, the promo that's not coming out for another six months. Yeah. But when that song comes out in six months, I'm going to buy it as well. So a lot of my music, especially the Boston producers, 
They'll give me early music. I appreciate it, but you don't have to. Right. But I also buy it the day of the release as well. As you should. Because I love my city. I love my people. Mm. I love you, Sterling. <laughs> Big love back, man. You know what I mean? You're part of this family, too. Um, so, you know. Well, speaking of family, let's talk more about Biscuit Head Records. Okay. Bruno has been on shows of mine over the years. Yep. We've touched on Biscuit Head Records a little bit. Okay. Let's hear from your perspective now. Tell us about Biscuit Head Records. Well, without Biscuit Head, I'm not the man you see today. I don't have my... I mean, I said this in a mix as well. Um, I don't have... My wife, my daughter, my profession, um, just my whole mental state changed after Biscuit Head Records. I became a man in that store. Um, my God, like everything, as soon as I started working there, everything sort of changed. Like no more my mom, like trying to find out where I'm at. No more fights with my mom. Um, you know, I kind of became a man and started taking care of stuff that I needed to be taken care of because I was ignoring a lot of stuff before Biscuit had. Um, that, Bruno had a lot to do with that. I know he wasn't trying to be the father figure or the brother, the big brother, but he ended up being that. And um, that place changed my life, Sterling. Like, Biscuit had yeah. changed everything. And um, I don't have... <laughs> I'm not here without Biscuit had. Honestly, um, it's, it was such a blessing that t- at the time. Um, me and Bruno yeah. got really close as a family. Um, I met a lot of people that came through there. Eminem was right. one of those artists that came through and was really cool. He actually came through Biscuit Head when my name has dropped. Yeah. Um, that a week before that, a week after that dropped. My name is, he came to the store, and he played at the Middle East afterwards, and he was just a gentleman. Um, I met so many people, like the hieroglyphics. I met them. Mm-hmm. I met King Brett. I mean, I mean, this, the list goes on. So, like, having all of these professional people around me and stuff like that, you had to be, you had to grow up fast. So, And for those who don't know, uh, Biscuit Head Records existed on 93 Mass Ave in Cambridge, Mass, in the USA way back in the day. Wow. And it was deemed your hip-hop hookup, Mm -hmm. you know? Everything from, you know, the oldest, you know, of the real Gs from way back in the day. We're talking about mixtapes, imports, you know, supplies for DJs as well, you know? I I got needles there. I got my turntable needles there. I got... My my vinyl wipers, I got, you know, I didn't get my turntables there, but basically it started there and it ended up there. So my career got started at Biscuit Head. Like all my equipment, most of the records I have at home have Biscuit Head record stickers on them still. You know, it's funny, but we still have a few of the old guard left for uh, vinyl shops in Boston, like In Your Ear, mm-hmm. Nuggets. And yep. Shout out to all those old school shops who still have, thank God. Is Looney Tunes still around, Starlight? It is not. It's not. It is not. That's not that sad. It, at, least the, at least the locations that I remember. Yeah. Okay, the ones oh, I remember, yeah. like uh, the one that uh, the late Billy Ruane actually uh, would frequent back in the day in Boston, you know, that's no longer there. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was one in Cambridge that I frequented way back when. Uh, they're no longer around. If there may be... I got to look that up, actually, but as far as I know, okay. they're gone. You know, yeah. But In Your Ear still here. Nuggets since 1978. 
Still yep. here. And, of course, Newbury Comics still selling vinyl. They are. And you know? they're making a resurgence and yeah. stuff. And, you, you know, I respect them. But I went into the Newbury Comics three or four weeks ago in Faneuil Hall, and I went to go get CDs. I know that's that's a definite no-no to Daffy these days, the CDs. But I went in there just to see what they had. And the CD section was the size of my bathroom, which isn't big at all. I just it kind of made me sad inside, but I caught that reference you just made. I'm gonna finish it for you. Make sure your family gets an A on my burn prevention <laughs> quiz. Okay. <laughs> See, me and Sterling, we definitely have a lot of things in common. We have way too many things in common, and that's why I love this gentleman and what he does. Um, he's a very professional man, but on top of that. He he lives his life to the fullest, you know, and that that um, PSA. It's Daffy Duck. Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny. Oh, my know. God. I just wait for a child that, to grab my handle and... <laughs> that sounds... That did not age well, by the way. Oh, my God. But you know what, that though? That not aged well. That was part of our lives growing up, you know what I mean? So, like, yeah. That's right. And speaking of being part of your life, we're back in two minutes with... The third and final act of the show that is now a part of your life, the Chop Session with Mr. DJ Mizant. We're back in two with more on Mizant and who's on in the coming weeks here on this show. I am the indefinable Sterling Golden, and this is BostonFreeRadio.com. BFR, BostonFreeRadio.com. Every Monday night, tune into the Misery of Cities from 8 to 9 for 40 years of lost psychedelic kraut rock, new wave, post-punk, indie, shoegaze. Found again and heard only on Boston Free Radio. Why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling on it. The dad joke. Corny, groan-worthy, but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off for school? Bye, son. So take a moment to make your kid laugh because dad jokes rule. Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Your tween made you see. We are the boy. It's painful concert number three. We are the boy band. We're five and nineteen. We are the boy band. Always singing on key. You love your kids enough to take them to see their favorite uh, band. Love them enough to make sure they're buckled up in the back seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Transportation. Never Stop the Madness. Tuesdays at 9 p.m. BostonFreeRadio.com Hey, you're listening to Boston Free Radio, the best and fresh live and local music. Only on bostonfreeradio.com. We are back here on the Chop Session on bostonfreeradio.com. I am the indefinable Sterling Golden with Mr. DJ Mizond. And by the way, the Chop Session continues, of course, next week here on Boston Free Radio. And coming up here on our show in one week, on January the 30th, we have from Empire Aesthetics 
Lisa Albanese, makeup artist extraordinaire who believes in doing what you love, making you feel fabulous. Lisa is here next Thursday on the CHOP session, the following week in two weeks on the 6th of February. We have my friends Renee and Danielle from the magazine publication out of CBS HD and the Footprint Network. Recently, the Sterling Perspective podcast was interviewed for CBS HD, and now I turn them tables on Renee and Danielle, and they will have cameras from CBS present here in two weeks. Should be very, very cool. In three weeks for your Valentine's Day week, who better than former Miss Poland World? Anna Mishtala to beautify our studios and some cool stuff she has happening in the pipeline. More from Anna in a few weeks. The 20th of February, we have from Bulgaria, my darling Leah is back in the studio with us. Further ahead on March 12th, we have Cassie Pearl in the studio. And speaking of studio, tomorrow on the Sterling Perspective podcast at 12 noon U.S. Eastern Time, your boy, the indefinable Sterling Golden and Miss Tiara Life, uh, heads up, Jules, is back next week. She is out one more week, you guys. Recovering the life of David Bowie tomorrow on the podcast. David Bowie, of course, this past month, he celebrated... Well, it would have been his 73rd birthday, and also, sadly, he passed away two days later in 2016, the age of 69. So recovering the life of rock and roll Hall of Famer, shapeshifter, style icon, and genre-bending trailblazer David Bowie, tomorrow, 12 noon, U.S. Eastern Time, wherever you rock with podcasts, wherever you subscribe, look up the Sterling Perspective, we got you. Okay, 12 noon, U.S. Eastern Time. But for now, DJ Mizan. Yes. Let's talk about the present day. Okay. Okay. This brand new release we have, they're talking about Midnight Society. Yep. Marimba Dub is the track. Yep. Talk me up. This is your first release on this new label. Yeah. Let's, let's hear more about that first of all, this new label you have going on. Okay. So um, the label is called Central Underground Recordings. Um, we got the name from a monthly event we do at the Cantab Lounge, the Club Bohemia part downstairs, which is called Central Underground. So we started Central Underground in April of 2019. And, you know, it went off with a, you know, a nice little push. And um, actually, DJ Bruno called me one day um, when I was at work. I'm actually a local 1952 union member. Big ups to my union. Okay. Um, so I was at work and Bruno called me and he was like, well, Mizant, I'm thinking about starting a label called Central Underground Recordings. Um, what do you think? And I'm like, well, that would be cool. You know, another outlet for us to get the word out there and stuff. He was like, well, I'm not going to start it without your help. I want you to be part of it too. And I'm like, are you sure about that? I mean, you got other labels like Utopia Boston. You got the home label. You know, are you sure you need me? He was like, I definitely need you for this project. So that's how the Central Underground recording Recordings label. label started and you know marimba dub happened and you know um midnight society like i said him and bruno go way back um and we crossed each other's paths you know during the 90s and stuff but when he signed on our label i got to really know curtis or midnight society right really well so um he was really proud to do this record i'm so honored to be part of this whole experience this is a dream come true honestly um i'm not expecting much out of this whole thing i just want 
another outlet for people to know that Boston's doing house music and we love it just as much as New York does or Miami or Jersey or Cali. You know, we, we made our front footprints as well. Chicago. Chicago as well, right? The birthplace. Exactly, the birthright. So, you know, I just, I, you know, we just want a, another outlet to let people know that Boston's doing house music as well. And, you know, we're taking demos, um, you know, hopefully from a New England artist because we want to showcase our people first. And then we'll ask the big guns if they want to contribute as well. So Marimba Dub happened and it got released last Friday. And right now it's sitting at number 72 on the top 100 Afro chart on track source. Hey. Thank you. Big up to everybody who supported that. Um, and yes, we do have a remix coming down a pipe. And I was just given the okay to mention who the remix is coming by. And it's going to be done by none other than my friend who I haven't met yet because he lives in Costa Rica. But, <laughs> but dude, like, I always, I almost feel like yeah. he's in front of us and he's, he, he, he's just so supportive. And his name is Mr. Doug Gomez. Shout out Doug Gomez. Um, yeah, Dougie's doing a remix for Marimba Dub, and I'm telling you, this guy's busy. He was voted the number one Afro producer in 2019 for Traxos out of 100 Afro producers. He was ranked number one. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he's a busy guy, but he's so accommodating. That's what I love about house music. You can hit somebody up on Messenger or Instagram, where I'd be hitting right. up Sterling. Of course. And, um... You know, they're really accommodating. They they hit me back. They know I'm a newcomer. They know, you know, I'm a shy guy when it comes to our scene, but they, they understand we are, we're all on the same wavelength when it comes to the sound. So, you know, I reached out to Dougie last year as a fan of his music. Right. And um, it's funny because he thought I was hitting him up to get a promo. <laughs> and I had to, I had, I, I, sorry, Dougie, I'm sorry, but I had to. Not put him in his place, but let him know I don't take free rides. I pay for my rides. Um, so we became friends over the past year, and you know he's doing this remix for us, and he's such a blessing. And I'm just, I can't believe I'm here. Well, you know something, Mizant. You know you were meant to be here. Obviously, law of attraction, and through consistent hard work and support, yeah, you have found your way to this point. Working with Midnight Society, yeah. having Central Underground recordings, yeah. Having found your way through a quarter century's worth of support and DJing and, you know, crate digging and right. being out there in the clubs, showing love and that kind of thing. Right. And here you are today. And right now, we have a sample for you of yeah. this track. This yeah. is Marimba Dub from Midnight Society. And we're back in a couple of minutes. But for now, get a taste of the vibes of Marimba Dub. Check it out, you guys.
of Marimba Dub from Midnight Society, which you can get through Central Underground Recordings, number 72 right now on Track Source, according to DJ Mizant. Very cool stuff right there. You can get your copy now of Midnight Society, Marimba Dub, and make sure you do so, okay? Support this shit. It's good shit, you know? Speaking of good shit, what's on the vision board for the future for Central Underground Recordings and for DJ Mizant? Talk me up. Well, our vision um, is to give a little bit of a pulse to Boston. We already have one. We got great producers here, but this is just another outlet. Um, we want more of our people to be showcased out there across the states, across the pond even, um, because house music is kind of big over across the pond. So we want yes. to showcase our people and put out great music we got a lot of people lined up that we want to work with like sean sl who you need to meet sterling really good kid from cali he lives here now he works for actually bose the speaker he's one of the engineer people for bose so he's a really really important person right now really young kid but cool um you know more stuff with midnight um leo alacon we want to do stuff with him um Stop on tagging stuff, Leo. I know, Leo. Come on. <laughs> come on, brother. I'm playing, man. I'm playing. <laughs> we love Leo Alicone. We want more music from him. Um, our vision is to keep Austin jumping, you know? Just, you know, that's that's what the vision is. And, you know, if you have, like I said, if you have demos, we're willing to hear them and listen. And, you know, that's basically it, bro. Absolutely. Absolutely. Central Underground Recordings is very much a thing. And the party rages on as well. Downstairs in the Cantab Underground at Club Bohemia, which is, by the way, is the same place where I had my very first set back in 2009, thanks to Anderson Marr. Yes, he did. That's right. But next one is the 17th of, no, wait a minute, the 21st of February, actually. Well, it's, I, I believe it's the 17th. It's that Friday. That's, um, that was January 17th, Mr. Mizant. Oh, oh, yeah, he's yes. right. <laughs> you know, so and, it is, uh, he's right. Don't throw me off. No. no, no I'm playing. <laughs> but Mr. Bob Diesel is celebrating his birthday on that night. He is. Okay, so pull up, you guys. It will be a birthday lituation. Not since seen when I had, I guess, my birthday party. <laughs> right. Which is, by the way, in the archives of the Sterling Perspective podcast. What a meltdown I had on that on that one. But uh, yes, Bob Diesel celebrates mm-hmm. his birthday at Central Underground at 738 Mass Ave, Cambridge, Mass, in the USA. Yep. February 21st, Central Underground. Pull up for this thing and show some love for yep. Mr. DJ Bob Diesel. He is deserving of your love because this man has put in so much work in the community and around the world with his house music mix mastery. Yep. Had a great time talking to Bob last month on the show. 
And now, next month, you'll see us all there, I'm sure. Yeah, so... No, Sterling will be in a building, definitely. You already know. Um, Bob Diesel, just to let you guys know, this dude's following is crazy. So if you can get to the party a little early, like 930, that would be awesome because Bob, he attracts everybody. Gay, straight, black, white, Asian, Latino, whatever it is. He, he knows people. So they support him hard. So, you know, we would love for you guys to come down and party with us and... Hey, this is just the start of a big 2020 for Central Underground. Trust me, we got we got some big artists coming through. Um, our one year anniversary is coming up in April. We got a very special guest that I'm not allowed to say right now <laughs> because Bruno will kill me. But um, we got a huge guest coming down in April. We got a couple of more guests coming down too. So we're just trying to, you know, we're trying to make the party hot in Boston and. It's going to be a huge year. I'm so, I'm so humble and excited. Like, I, I just, it's all a dream. 2020 is a dream. It this is a dream, a dream. year. He used to read Word Up magazine. Absolutely. Oh, that's actually Biggie. This is me. He's going on a Hall of Fame, by the way. That's right, he is. Big congratulations to the family of Christopher Wallace. Yes. Headlining the 2020 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that was another big part of my getting into house. I was a big... Huge Notorious B.I.G. fan. Too, and if so. you don't know, now you know. Well, Mr. <laughs> nice. Mizant, we thank you for being here today. Oh, this is beautiful, Sterling. I would love to be on again at some point. You certainly um, will. My God, this has been a great experience. I'm, Mom's looking down at me right now, smiling at her boy. I'm sure um, of that. Uh, you know, I just, I love you very much, Sterling. Hey. I love you guys out there for listening as well. Big, big love right back to you, sir. Mm-hmm. Up next at 5 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time, it is the Villain's Den, followed by the award-winning Let's Talk About Race at 7 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. Mizant, thank you. Bye-bye. All right. This is the Chop Session. And as always, y'all, when it's all over, I say stop. So let's do that. Let's stop.